Hello, this is Robert Fleming with my partner and co-host, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Welcome to Elder Law Issues, a production of Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona estate planning, elder law, and special needs firm. And uh, Elizabeth, I thought today we would talk about a great word that not a lot of people really know well, and that is fiduciary. Can you, in two or three words, or however many words it takes you, <laughs> define fiduciary? Well, I would tell you one of the challenging parts about defining what a fiduciary is, is when we talk about a fiduciary, we might be talking about a person or an organization. The idea is we're talking about someone or an entity having responsibility for someone's property, a person's health care decisions, a role in another's life that would basically help guide ongoing day-to-day -day decisions, whether it concerns health or finances. Including after death. So a personal representative, what some states might call an executor, and for that matter, some people in Arizona might call an executor, is also a fiduciary. A trustee is a fiduciary. An agent on both a health care power of attorney and a financial power of attorney is a fiduciary. And in fact, you can be a fiduciary without having any of those roles, right? If I just, if, if you hand me your checkbook and say, please take care of my, my checkbook for me, you just made me a fiduciary. That's right, because I'm giving you responsibility to make a decision or assist with the management of my property. That's right. So uh, the word fiduciary is a, sounds like a, a Latin legalistic kind of word, but, but what is the significance of being a fiduciary? To me, the significance of being a fiduciary carries, carries with it ethical responsibilities as well as professional responsibilities. Ethical responsibilities to understand the intent of the person who's bestowing that privilege on you, understanding that that person wants you to make healthcare decisions that he or she may not be able to make at that time, what their intent or goals would be, whether or not they want to have life-sustaining procedures um, if they're not able to communicate that. There's a lot of ethical responsibility to make sure that if there at any time might be a conflict between your interest in an estate, if you're a beneficiary and also a trustee, that you're mindful that there may be a conflict there and with it carry some ethical responsibility to make sure that you're doing the right thing in that role of yours as a fiduciary. When we consider all of the various ethical components of acting as a fiduciary and what you must take into consideration, there are also professional responsibilities that are related. For instance, if I did hand you my checkbook and ask for your help making checks to cover my utility bills, it's a pretty professional responsibility you have to keep track of the checks that you've written, to include them in the check register. When you're writing a check on my behalf, to look at the check register and make sure that there's money in the account. So those ethical responsibilities are really threads that carry out through every decision and action you take in that role you have as a fiduciary. It does seem to me like maybe we better have a little definition of terms for millennials. Checkbooks are these things you used to have <laughs> that you filled out with pen, pen uh, and signed at the bottom. Yeah, okay. Uh, a question about fiduciaries. Are all fiduciaries 
controlled, managed, policed by the court system? Absolutely not. In fact, a large amount of um, day-to-day work that fiduciaries do is is not overseen by any kind of court. It's simply the responsibility that you have, whether it relates to a person's health care or their finances during a person's life, directly to that person. You mentioned that you can be a fiduciary when somebody's died as perhaps a personal representative or trustee. It's so important to keep in mind that the ethical responsibilities carry forward even after somebody has died. So while during my lifetime you may have had ethical obligations to me since you were holding my checkbook and writing checks at my request, when I've died and you're in charge of administering my estate as a personal representative, you can continue to write those checks if that's what the documents allow. However, at that time, you've got an ethical duty to the beneficiaries of my estate. It doesn't go away just because of your death. Absolutely not. So uh, even though not every fiduciary relationship is controlled by the courts, if I'm anxious as the per- let's use my hypothetical, you've handed me your checkbook and I've been paying your bills for two years because you're not doing very well. And I'm worried about your brother. I've met Jim. He's a he's a mean guy. Uh, you laugh because he is the farthest thing from a mean guy that could be. But I'm still worried about him. Could I go to court to have the judge approve what I did just to, to head off any potential challenge? Absolutely, you could. What I would say the first thing to do is if you have a concern that you may need assistance following all of the ethical rules, procedures, um, to a T, the first thing you should be doing is making an appointment at Fleming and Curdy <laughs> or one of the other wonderful law firms in Tucson where there are experienced estate planning attorneys and practitioners who can talk to you about your responsibilities. Oftentimes, if we talk to somebody and give them some legal advice about exactly how to carry out that fiduciary role, you really never need to go into court unless there's a problem. What we try and make sure that our clients understand are the scope and the limits of their responsibility. So that if there's a point in time when you were ever uncomfortable, Robert, and somebody were asking you about why you were managing my bills in a certain way, you'd be able to refer to the documents, for instance, if you were named as my my agent under my durable financial power of attorney, and really show where in that document your authority was bestowed. Oftentimes, those conversations up front are very helpful to have with fiduciaries so that down the road they're not so concerned about others looking over their shoulder and making any kind of accusation. And most of the time what we see is people wanting to do the right thing and doing it in the most ethical fashion that they know how. However, there are always ways to improve practices and that, that really relates to record keeping when you're writing checks and using somebody's credit card or making transfers from accounts. Is it hard, scary work being a fiduciary? I think so, because ultimately you're helping manage somebody's health care decisions or perhaps decisions about their property. Um, that is of utmost importance. It's essential. It's an everyday function, and it's not to be taken lightly. I, I think all of us here at Fleming and Curdy agree there is no stupid question when it comes to having a question about fiduciary duty. With the notion that it's a little bit scary to be a fiduciary, um, that obviously would lead us naturally into a discussion about how you might select your fiduciary. 
but I want to save that for another session. So let's end here. Um, next time we will talk about how to choose a good fiduciary and how to maximize the likelihood that everything will work out well when you're at the head end of the, of the process of planning. In the meantime, this is Robert Fleming and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman from Fleming and Curdy PLC at Tucson, Arizona, estate planning, elder law, special needs trust administration law firm. And you've been listening to Elder Law Issues. We hope that you will join us next time.